Hey, all you IT listeners out there. I just wanted to take a moment before the show to share with you our new sponsor. We've been working with BestRadioTravel.com to bring the lowest hotel prices to our loyal listeners. Stay tuned during the upcoming show to hear more about how you can save 15 to 30% off your hotel rates. Awesome. Let's start the show. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. We are going to do a few things differently, and we're going to be talking about coaching. I've been doing a lot of executive coaching and um, just as, as I'm going along, taking notes, writing things down, I just want to talk about a few things that, that leaders are doing um, where we feel like we're moving forward in the right direction, but we're having some issues, having some um, struggles as we move forward. So today, just talking about what is the key to building and maintaining um, a self-motivated team? And initially... It, it takes extra time. When you come in with a new team or let's, if you're a listener out there and you're going, I feel so frustrated. I don't know what to do with my team. I feel like they're very apathetic. They're engaged. They're not moving forward and, and truly being driven. Or maybe you're the one on the team and you want, you're listening to this going, man, I'm just going to subtly give this to my boss so they can understand what, what they're doing. And maybe you're thinking, I have a horrible boss. I have a bad boss and I would love for them to hear this. Whatever it is, we're going to talk about that today on how do we uh, get our teammates to really be self-motivated. And that concept that many of us have heard where you can teach a man to fish uh, process versus just catch a, a, a man a fish or catch a fish for a person rather than just teaching them how. But the results are worth the investment. The better you coach, the more prepared your team will be achieve their goal. So successful coaching guides um, employees in the right direction, but promotes independent thinking. And this way we can collaborate to overcome some of those obstacles that we're dealing with. And, and in turn, it fosters that relationship of trust, which we're finding that in teams, if you don't have that trust going on, you're moving forward just out of, you're operating out of fear. And then it becomes this culture of fear and we show up differently. So how do we empower the team to act dynamically, to truly um, be motivated and energized when they show up in their day? So how you lead, how you're modeling impacts every single person in your organization. But as you, well, are you, are you conscientious of, of whether your style is focused more on relationships or is it driven by results. My temperament, I have a tendency that when I get in my zone, I'm, I'm more driven by results 
than the relationships. And yet this has been difficult for me because I feel like I'm highly relational and that is what um, drives me. But often we let the results get in the way. So let's, let's unpack that. Let's step into that, break it down. Generally, leaders fall into one of these two camps. The, the driven by results manager or leader focuses on efficiency. They have deadlines, they have budgets. It's that get or done mentality. And they, they often are in that place where they feel like people are getting in their way. The relationship oriented leader focuses on people and they want to make sure the team is happy. They want to make sure that everyone's being kind and that we're in a really good place while when we show up in our day. So distrust takes place when we lead too strongly to either side of the equation. It can suck the life out of the initiative, the drive, the creativity, and ultimately productivity. So we have to figure out how do we get that that balance, that balance. And the challenge, the mystery, the enigma, and that is such a fun word to say when you, I I don't know why, I just squirrel, right? I was just thinking of the word nincompoop, lollygag, those are all just fun words. Anyway. Back to the topic. How do we shape our leadership style to match the employees' needs and the people that we are working with? If you focus solely on results, your people will feel you don't care about them, only about the bottom line. And the other extreme, focusing only on relationships, leaves results-focused employees frustrated and demoralized. So an example, I was coaching the other day and we were discussing our blind spots. And as we were going around the the room, and and, and this was interesting because usually I do executive coaching one-on-one, but this was with um, a group group of people. And the, the leader of this team said, let's go ahead and talk right now about our blind spots. And let's go around the table and share our our blind spots and tell each other their blind spots. And it, it was one of those things where you're like, I don't know if this is a good idea. This can really wound people. But it was interesting, and, and I believe it went really well. And the the leader of this particular team, I said, go ahead and give me my blind spots. And he mentioned that... I am so focused on on the relationships that I allow people to talk too much. They have a tendency to go off and start chatting and rather than getting back to the results and you know initially uh, you always want to say thank you. Thank you for that feedback and not come up with excuses. Um, but I felt as though people needed to know the reason why I was allowing them to talk a little longer than what you normally would is because the the people that were sitting there, I felt like they needed to be heard by their boss, by their leaders, and it empowered them um, to just to to know, hey, someone's listening. Some we are hearing what you have to say, and um, with that, I hope he heard that because he was one that needed to listen to what his team was saying. Really balance. And I kind of want to go back to that. When you are sharing and talking about your blind spots, getting, try your bottom line 
is to be just thank you. If you are going to come up with an excuse or let them know the reason why you were doing something, then maybe do it at another time or truly see the value into what you were doing when you are listening to that feedback. Um, So I hope for our listeners out there that 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 was was clear. I kind of felt like I I muddled that whole thing up. So anyway, finding that that balance between results-driven versus relationship-driven employees. Get to know your team. That is the bottom line. I don't know if you're driven by results. I don't know if you're driven by relationships, so I have to get to know you. Understand what motivates each person. And recently I was coaching a team that had suggested to their leadership, we need a team building outing. We really do need to get to know each other after we've been going through these these coaching sessions and they realized they were operating truly out of results driven rather than, you know, any relationship um, at all. And it was affecting their team. So they decided to go to a baseball game and the company was paying. So they had um, put it out there with the rules and the guidelines that no spouses were invited, but the boss showed up with his spouse. And this is interesting because what does that scream to the team? Um, we are not playing on the same playing field when you guys get to know each other, but you're not allowed to bring your sp- your spouses, but I need my security blanket and I'm above all this team building stuff. And they, it's just interesting because as a leader, everything speaks, even if that was not this boss's intentions. He might have thought, you know, not only do I want to get to know you better, I'm also going to bring my wife for you to get to know her as well. But that changed the rules. It changed the way that the rules were set. And once again, even though his intentions might have been in the right place, what it said was, I'm I'm different than than you. I'm above all that. And we have to really see what we're conveying to everyone. We have to model our words. They have to matchy-match. So back to results-driven employees, um, what do they want their managers to do? They want them to have a plan. They want to get things done. They want follow-through. They want to stay on course and be decisive. And they need the matchy-match. If you say you're going to do something, if you say the team is going to do something, then we all need to be doing exactly that. These employees, their their belief in the manager or their leader is about competency. I believe in you, and I trust that you will bring your deliverables. The more relationship-driven employee is they're more feeling-based, and they want to know that their leader will be kind and care about them, that their leader will interact with them, consider how they feel, and truly demonstrate that you care about me personally. You want to get to know me. You're asking me what's going on in my personal life as well as um, how I'm showing up here at work. So on a side note to that, when you're dealing and coaching with your employees, there's five things that we need to focus on. And that is to ask yourself, am I maintaining their self-esteem? When I'm talking to them, 
Am I tearing them down or am I lifting them up? And this really fills the cup up for the the relationship-driven employee is to know, okay, I'm getting positive feedback from you. I know I'm hitting the target and you really care about me. You like me. You want me to be successful. The second one in coaching employees is to make sure that you are listening. They want to know that they are being heard. Within that listening, it's also important for you to share or confide in them. Share your stories. Learn how to be a storyteller when you're leading meetings, when you're um, talking to them. Give them some of your, your personal examples and personal stories so they know that you're human, that you've gone through these things. And and even if you can say, I, I know exactly how you're feeling, or I can assume that you're feeling this way because I went through this, or I remember in the day when I had the same challenge. And then support them. How can I help? How can I be there for you? What do we need to brainstorm to make sure we can move forward, to make sure we get this project done, to make sure we're going to hit this deadline? What do we need? What resources do we need? And the fifth one is to empower them. What, going back to how do we support them, but then what are the actual action steps? And so often we forget to put these action steps into play. We talk about it, and, and I'm horrible at this, talking about going back to sharing or confiding. I will be in a meeting and we will throw out all these ideas. We need to do this or we need to do that. And I love brainstorming about them, but then all of a sudden the meeting's over and we did all all, all this brainstorming. We talked about these great ideas, but then we didn't put them into play. We didn't say, hey, Joe, you take those, you know, steps one, two, and three, that those ideas, and will you get with the team and come up with some action steps? So when we come back here in our next meeting, we can at least know how we're doing on that, how we can move forward on that. So once again, those those five steps, maintain that self-esteem. Make sure that we're pouring into people and we're giving them that positive feedback. 93% of employees are saying, I, I don't even know how I'm, I'm doing. I would love to know that I matter here. I would love to know that I'm hitting the target, but I, I never get that kind of feedback. I don't get anyone, you know, pouring into me and addressing how well I'm doing. So they don't even, the, the, the only way that they're maintaining the self-esteem is by them showing up going, I am doing a good job, but they're not hearing it from their coworkers, yet alone from their leaders. Uh, number two, once again, listen. Three, you share, you confide, you tell them what's going on in, in your life without giving too much information. We don't want to do the TMI, but be able to relate to them in such a way that um, it's a partnership and it's a dialogue. Number four, support. How can I help? And number five, empower them by saying, okay, what what's next? What are the action steps? What are we going to do to make sure that we get this done? That way, there's this balance of the results-driven employee as well as the employee that really focuses on feelings, emotions, and their relationships. So establishing that 
balanced leadership. All people tend to naturally gravitate more to one type of leadership over another, but us leaders see things from both perspectives, the the rules and the relationships. Um, they, they see the balance. Highly successful leaders take into account the organization's missions, goals, and tasks and balance them with the values and relationships. And this, this is a whole nother um, show, but to even know what your values are, you know, think of those top five values, because if you don't even know what they are and you don't know your strengths, then it's really hard to show up and, and lead people through their values and relationships. If we don't even know what ours are as leaders, these leaders don't let themselves get stuck on either side of the relationships versus results fence. They take time to analyze each team member's needs and ask themselves, can I motivate this person to perform better with a focus on results or a focus on the relationship? So I just want to pause right there. If you're leading a team and you're not asking these questions to even find out, yeah, who do I have on my team? What motivates them? Just in, in this, the, the two um, relationship versus results driven to really know how do I help them out in, in these um, two lanes to really make sure I'm leading them well. So just pause and think about that. Maybe even jot it down or if you're driving right now as you're listening, then think about as soon as you stop that you can jot it down, put their names and or initials and what, what motivates them. Going into the, the next of what motivates a team, I mean, you, you would have to live under a rock to not know that bad management, bad leadership is typically the root cause of low employee engagement. And we're hearing it over and over again. People don't leave institutions. They don't leave organizations or ministries because they don't care for the organization. They leave it because of a bad leader. Or it could be the coworkers, but generally speaking, the coworkers, um, the the low morale is is most often from the leadership. What you do as a leader always trickles down. If you're not leading well, then you're not motivating the team, and then therefore you're going to um, have uh, less engagement, and people are going to to leave the organization. So, what motivates a team? Addressing employee engagement issues may not be a simple fix. I mean, we talked about getting to know them to see what motivates them on one hand, but the causes can be truly complex. And we all know that each case is individual, but um, from, well, just unique issues of what's going on. And as a leader, you must determine the reasons behind unacceptable employee engagement. In other words, why are they becoming so apathetic? Why are they not driven to show up and truly um, be a part of the team? What's, what's taking place? So keep in mind that increasing employee engagement may not be all on the employee. Look at yourself first. What are your blind spots? And like I said, when we went around, um, with that that team and said, okay, here's what I think my blind spot um, is. You go ahead and tell me what my blind spot is. 
that is a great thing to do to do. We talked about this in the last show to maybe start out with your family members and ask them, Hey, tell me what my blind spots are. Like what, what do you see in me? That's just super annoying or where am I not showing up? You know, I think I'm showing up well, but perhaps I'm not. So before looking at your employee as the problem, it may be time to admit it's not you, it's me uh, to your disengaged employees. If you if you find these following behaviors that I'm going to talk about, if those are present among uh, your leaders or within uh, yourself, then what are you going to do about it? What habits do you need to change to really motivate your team? And I'm going to start with just recently I was with an, another team and I overgeneralized. And one of the issues I've heard over and over again is as leaders overgeneralize a situation. So an example would be um, I had a group that the team was was golfing quite often or they were whining and dining and they weren't necessarily getting out on the floor, getting into um, being there with their teams, being present. And the the leader had an executive board meeting and said, okay, enough already. You guys need to start being present. You need to show up. And uh, I love that you're, you're out there whining and dining and golfing with um, other people, but our, our team here needs to see you, needs to know that you know what's going on and that you're present. Well, there were a couple people sitting there in that meeting that they were showing up. They were present. They were engaged with the employees. They weren't out golfing and whining and dining other people. And they were furious. And they overgeneralized as they were sharing with me, saying that uh, I... I do show up. I am always here. I'm never, you know, just out there golfing, uh, you know, consistently. And as, as, as they were saying this, uh, I realized, and I started addressing it with a lot of teams that when you are talking to somebody, you need to go to that individual. If you're seeing this take place, don't just throw it out in an email. It might be as simple as, hey, you shouldn't be parking in a certain parking space. And it's one individual, but we say it to everyone. You guys need to be aware that that's not where you should be parking. You should be parking, you know, in the back lot. So that way these uh, parking spaces up here can be used for our customers. Everybody gets upset because it's like, I do park out there, but you're, you're generalizing, putting me in this big, huge lump here that, um, why bother showing up this way if you think that I'm, I'm doing this anyway? Well, then recently I am with a group of people and going through a coaching session and I make the comment of, I wish you guys would model the behavior of going to these coaching sessions, of going to these workshops and model that it is so significant to show up here. It's so important for you to be here. It can grow you. It can change you. Um, the company is investing in you and we really need to step into this. Well, when I overgeneralized and said that to the team, I didn't realize till later <laughs> 
I'm doing exactly what I tell them not to do. I had a problem with just a couple of people showing up and modeling the coaching sessions. I needed to go to them individually. And when I I stepped back, actually, I went to bed that night and I couldn't sleep because it so unsettled me that I had done that. Because two of the individuals that were there, they had come there during their day off and they had to listen to what I said in front of their boss saying that you guys aren't modeling this. You guys aren't showing up. You're not letting your team know how significant this is when they were. And so having to then pick up the phone and actually call them and apologize for overgeneralizing and grouping them into, you know, you all and everybody and they. So try to stay away from that overgeneralization. That is one way that we truly can uh, create apathy in our team. So number one, overgeneralizing. Number two, no consent. See, good leaders convey consistent expectations to their employees, uh, clarity in their roles. People know the expectations. I know how to hit the target rather than just kind of showing up every day and flailing and um, having your leader uh, be lenient one day and then tough the next. Or when an employee finishes a project, they change the scope and ask the employee to start over. Or um, uh, they, they're just not steadily raising the bar and communicating it. Uh, they, it's just one day they have a certain expectation. The next day, whatever is turned in is okay. So that lacking um, pre- predictable expectations it often creates that disengagement because you don't know how to prioritize your efforts. This kind of response can lead, um, once again, to apathy, despair, discouragement, and and depression, which, wow, right? That just took a nasty turn. But it's really easy just by how a leader is not being consistent how this person just starts flailing into an apathetic um, temperament. So the key to maintaining consistency is communication, communication, communication over communicate. While there may be times when that report requires little feedback from you, it's important that the employee knows why. So giving that specific feedback, communicating that feedback is significant. Expectations can change. Goals can change. The requirements of the organization can change, but it needs to be communicated to the employee. That way they can understand what's um, what's going on there. The next one, and uh, we're getting ready to go into a break here in just a minute. So we're going to come back and we're going to be talking about favoritism. So I'd like for you to pause and just think for a, a minute here before we go in, into our commercial break. What am I doing? Am I coaching my employees the right way? Am I make, making sure that I'm maintaining their self-esteem, that I'm listening to them, that I'm sharing my my stories without too much information, but I'm truly confiding in them. It's a partnership as we move forward. Am I supporting them? 
Do I daily ask them, how can I help you? And am I daily figuring out ways to empower them and helping them um, with their action steps? So I'm truly following through. The next thing, are you overgeneralizing? Do you show up and either kudos to everyone where you're telling everyone they did a good job when it's truly three out of the eight people that knocked it out of the park. So you should be going to those three people. So are you overgeneralizing also the negative where we are telling them that uh, <laughs> you're not showing up well, like what I did. You're not modeling this. You're not letting your teams know how significant this is when in reality it wasn't that. So with that said, we are going to go into a commercial break. I hope that's giving you some food for thought. And we come back, we're going to talk about favoritism after this commercial. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Toginet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discounts you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash patty to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of our show through Toginet Radio. We have negotiated special rates of over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash patty. Sign up and enjoy the discounts. That is bestradiotravel.com forward slash patty. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Can muscle turn into fat? It sure looks like it can, but the reality is it can't. When you have tight and defined muscles and you quit working out with weights or exercising at all in some cases, it seems like your hard muscle turns to flab. Remember, Muscle and fat are two different entities, and one cannot turn into another. What happens is when you stop exercising, your muscle fibers grow smaller, while your fat cells grow larger. With exercise, your muscles make the fibers grow, and when you stop exercising, they reduce in size. Likewise, your body's fat cells can change in size depending on how much fat each one stores. So keep your body fit, healthy, and strong. Keep up your exercise. And don't let conditioned muscles become flabby. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond.
Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. All right, we are back and we have been chatting about coaching our teams. How do we lead our teams? And, you know, we, we use the word, the word manage our team so often, but managers really are the ones that are telling people what to do. We want to be leaders where, where people want to um, follow. They want to also um, lead and influence others as well. So how do we coach? How do we guide our team? How do we guide our em- employees? And we were right on the part of favoritism. And favoritism, this is my number one thing that I, I have a horrible time in figuring out the balance with favoritism. Because that's just human nature to enjoy working with certain employees more than others. And some employees, you actually see them coming down the hall and you you try to dodge them. You try to go into another room because you don't want to get into a conversation with them. And and they, they can sense that. They can feel that. So you're going to get along with certain people better than you get along with others. That's just human nature. But similar to having um, those erratic expectations and not clarifying those expectations, sometimes leaders give a different response for the same behavior from different employees due to personality preferences. So how do we show up equally? This is this is so difficult. Um, an example, just um, recently while I was coaching a team and one of the team members said to his boss, you have a tendency to always have a specific individual in your office. And the boss responded with, yeah, that's because he's asked me. He has said, will you mentor me? Will you guide me, coach me? And since he's asking, I am going to um, do that. Well, this particular person is brand new on the team. And you can see how this created a huge wave where people who've been there for 15 to 20 years are looking at this going, you've never spent this amount of time with me. You've never mentored me in in this fashion. So now all of a sudden you have this outside, you know, the meeting after the meeting conversation of people going, what's going on? How come all of a sudden our boss is spending so much time on this particular individual? Well, what do we do with that? We either have to over communicate and let the entire team know right now, because this individual is new, I'm going to pour into them because they asked to be mentored. Um, so, you know, the conversations that are taking place outside of, of this meeting here, please come to me. Let, let me know what's going on. Let me know the dialogue. Let me know what you guys are thinking. But this is what's taking place. So often we don't realize that, once again, everything speaks, that our actions even if it's just someone coming into our office daily and the door is being shut, people are wondering what is going on. We like to be in the know. If we aren't in the know, we are going to create that no in our head. And the narrative usually that we start playing in our mind is negative. 
And also the narrative is usually 98% incorrect with what is actually taking place. So be aware of that as a leader, that if you are um, having certain people that you're spending quite a bit of time with, over communicate that, let people know um, what's going on in that, in that process. Now, this is hard because sometimes you just truly have friends that you are are with daily and you can't help like I said having that chemistry with people and you want to enjoy being at work so it's easy to find yourself talking to to certain people uh, it can be hurtful so just be aware every once in a while do that self check to go what happened today who was I talking to who am I talking to often that can also hurt other people. When you have a favorite or a relationship with someone, let's say you have always um, communicated with a certain person for a year. It might be two years. It might even be 10 years. And then you have somebody else that comes on board that they're just a screen. You have a kick with them. You're having a blast with them and you're spending less time with this person that you've known for a decade and now you've moved on almost to a new friendship in your mind you're just going no I'm pouring into them they have great ideas they're going to propel this team forward we're going to move in a different direction and as a leader hear this the right way what happens whenever you get excited when you get new blood new ideas a new way of doing things it's really easy then to cast the other people aside and really pour into this person or perhaps this team or perhaps this um, new ministry, whatever it is, as you're, you're moving forward, be aware of that and over communicate to the other individuals. I hear this so often um, with, with team members when they feel discarded. They feel that, yeah, the leader needed me when I did something for them. I brought value to the team, but apparently I'm discarded. I don't bring value anymore. And so the relationship is severed. This person does not show up well anymore. As a matter of fact, the narrative that they play in their head is that they've been put out to pasture. They're not needed. They're not wanted. It shuts down creativity. It shuts down production. And it. this person, talk about apathy and despair and discouragement and depression. They go to bed at night going, what happened? So make sure you're not avoiding, you're not in denial, that you're going and you're having conversations with this individual. Um, inconsistent responses can create an unfair environment, a real injury to employee engagement. The way you manage through this to make certain that you're being consistent in even just the relationships of people and the perception of how people are viewing that is so important. It's tough. It may not match the reality. It may not match your feelings of, of the individuals. You may think you're, you're not playing favorites, but appearances suggest otherwise. Half the time when I bring this up to leaders, 
they are oblivious that they were treating a certain individual that way. They're oblivious to the fact that they basically severed relationships with um, the past in individuals and that they are hurting and that they are um, truly wounded. So if you are consistent with everybody, if you share information with one, the way you share it with all, um, even in confidential matters, if you're consistent, consistently just saying to one employee what's going on, you're giving them all the information, but you are not sharing it um, with with everyone to get everyone on board, then you're going to, to hurt people's feelings. Now, some of you are listening and go, oh, well, I can't help it if I hurt people's feelings. I'm, I'm in leadership. People are going to get hurt. I'm moving on to this next direction. And this person I put on my team, I have to spend time with them. Um, I have to go this route. And that's fine. Just be aware that it's, it doesn't take that much time to let this other person know what's going on to let this other person in on the direction that you're going even if it's as simple as please hear me I am all about moving this organization in this direction do not feel like I'm severing the relationship or I'm leaving you out this is just taking me um, a lot of time so I hope you will communicate with me I'm not trying to avoid you nothing has happened in our relationship I want to move forward. So basically just having that dialogue and letting that person know, hey, tell me your thoughts. What's going on here? What What is your opinion? How are you feeling? That is favoritism. And we can, uh, once again, have a whole show on examples of where people have been hurt, a whole, whole show on how you can over-communicate that. But just kind of pause and go, what am I doing in that field? Am I um, leaning into other people and ignoring the ones that perhaps I've had relationships with? Next one, number four, is micromanagement. This is a challenging area, particularly with people who have a high need for control. And they, they struggle with micromanagement. Um, some employees may feel that you don't trust them, that you don't think that um, that you have the ability to do the job effectively. And so when you micromanage, you are screaming, um, I don't think you're capable. Uh, I just recently saw this where a, a an individual was supposed to go in and meet with another department and and she felt really good about this, that she was giving, you know, the, the trust to go, you can handle this. You've got this. Go and meet with this other director of another department and get their feedback so we can move forward. And when she got there, this particular director said, yeah, your your boss has already called me. I gave her all the feedback. So what exactly do you want? Well, she was blown away. Um, it's like, wait, my boss gave me this direction to come here and, and, and meet with you. And instead you already have given her the feedback. So 
where this leader thought, okay, I'll just make a quick phone call. It's not going to be a big deal. That way I can hear it. And then she can also go there and hear more of the feedback. Kind of um, a bomb went off in her face because now she just lost that, that trust of her team member. So a new boss, especially when you come in and you start micromanaging, you start changing the guidelines. Um, I'll give you an example of a, a new guy that just came into an organization and he basically said, all of your time off is going to change. I want a two week notice. If you're taking a day off, if all of a sudden something happened and you need to take tomorrow off and you didn't give me a two week notice, that's not gonna fly. So you should be able to plan, you should be able to prepare for this, and let me know two weeks in advance if you're gonna take that day off. Well, this is really difficult, especially for parents who all of a sudden their kid has um, a situation where they need a parent to show up. You might not have that two week notice. So when they come in and they drop a bomb like that, all it did was stir up why do we have to give you a two-week notice? If we're getting the job done, we want this flexibility. We want this autonomy to be able to go, I'm an adult. I can figure out. I can get hit my deadlines. I can get my work done. Why do I have to do the two-week notice? Um, also, he came in and said, if you go anywhere during your day, you need to place it on the calendar and my assistant needs to know exactly where you are. You need to be accountable for every minute. You also need to put everything in Salesforce. I want to know what you're doing in your day. Well, this doesn't fly, especially for millennials and Generation Z, because they really want to have choices. They want the flexibility. They want the autonomy. And this particular organization where this boss came in in the last few months they've already dropped four people off of this team because they're not and and they were millennials and generation z they're not going to function with this kind of micromanagement and they know that that they're just going to show up and they're going to be miserable so there's a few things that as a leader, we need to look at if you're doing that, if you're micromanaging people, because what motivates, it goes back to the Maslow's triangle where you have the food, the shelter, um, air, all those main things that we need to survive. And as you go up the triangle, then it's self-esteem. So what we have in that self-esteem is community, competency, and choice. And we need all three of those. If we are going to show up well and be excited about work, then I want to know that I have the community. I have the relationships. I have people that that care about me, that um, I enjoy chatting with. And it's I'm basically getting my my social time, my happy hour time out of the way with the people I work with. Also, Competency. I need to know that the skills I have, that I'm hitting the target once again, that I'm doing well here and people need me. This place can't move forward unless I be, I bring my strengths to the table. I bring my um, the, what I'm competent in and I'm helping the bigger picture here. I know I matter here. 
And the third one is choice, which is autonomy. I want to know that this is what the expectations are, but you're not going to tell me exactly how to do it. So you're not going to tell me, hey, you have to put in every single phone call you made into Salesforce or every single minute that you spent. I want to know exactly what you're doing. It's like, I want to know that you as my leader, you trust me enough that I'm going to bring the results. I don't have to bring how I made it happen. And yeah, if I'm not bringing the results to the table, then maybe we need to have a conversation. But as a leader, if you're very clear in the expectations of what's expected of me, then you shouldn't have to micromanage me. And that's what's so important there. Set, clarify the expectations, and then you don't have to tell people what choices they need to to make to show up. So micromanaging, that can lead to disengagement and the employee may eventually shut down and lose interest in their job if you're insisting on controlling every detail of their work. No one wants to be told what to do. Managers tell, leaders listen. So supervisors or leaders who micromanage may in fact be convinced that no one can do the job better than they can. And they may feel overwhelmed by team performance expectations. Um, They can make them feel insecure and cause them to place unnecessary pressure on their employees when the bottom line is micromanagement can foster low engagement. And it prevents not only the employee from being fully engaged, but also the leader who winds up spending too much time trying to supervise everything and not enough time on developing the employees. So pause and think about that. Are you developing? Are you coaching your employees or are you telling them what to do? You're supervising every single thing, every single expectation. You are there to double check their work. Now, some of you might be saying or thinking, thinking, okay, Patty, but there are people that I have to supervise their work because they're not showing up well. And that goes back to coaching your employee. Those five steps. How am I giving them that positive feedback to build up their self-esteem? Am I listening? Maybe they don't have the skill set. That's why you're having to supervise them. You're not taking the time that they were trained Um, exactly how to do this. If they're making errors or making mistakes, maybe they need to go back to square one, to the root of the problem and go, let's make sure you're competent in this skill set and share with them, confide in them. I remember when I I struggled here or I had a hard time doing this task and then support. How can I help? Not how can I supervise you, but how can I help? What do we need to do? What kind of training do you need? What kind of resources? What kind of team members would you prefer to to mentor you, et cetera? And then number five, empower them. What are the action steps so we can see this through together to where you don't have to be micromanaged, to where you have full autonomy on how you can get this job done because it's your choice you get to be flexible on how you want to accomplish this goal. Micromanagement is slowly exiting the workforce because the generational needs are different. We cannot micromanage people. Um, For example, baby boomers typically want to check the boxes. 
Millennials tend to be more hands-off in their work styles. And so good leaders learn their employees' traits and they lead accordingly. So remember, micromanagement is also a lack of communication. By not conveying clearly what's required, then the leader can become too hands-on. And when we do that, um, we're going to get disengagement. Okay. So if you're too hands-on, it's actually diminishing the role that people have instead of multiplying them where they can perform and literally outperform because they might come up with a way more creative way of accomplishing that goal. Okay, the last one that we're going to talk about in number five is distractedness because we live in a world of being distracted. And this is especially as Generation Z is coming on board. I know the other day I I looked at my phone and it said you had like 1.5 hours of screen time. I said, no, I am not on my phone that much. Are you kidding me? There is no way. And that's just from the, you know, you look at it for a couple minutes or you scroll through a few things, you're checking your email. Um, I, I don't, spend a whole lot of time on social media. So that's why I was so blown away by that much screen screen time. But we are distracted, be it email, be it text messages, um, FaceTiming people, whatever it is, we live in a world where we are distracted. And research is showing you really can't multitask as much as we think we can. um, I know my daughter who just turned 18, she can sit there, do her homework, Snapchat every five seconds, have the TV on, and also be listening to uh, some song on Alexa. (laughs) So she'll, she'll ask Alexa to put on a song. She's watching a show, doing her homework, Snapchatting. And feeling like she's not distracted. So Generation Z, definitely um, a little bit on the the ADHD thing going on for them. And we have to figure out how do we stay focused because otherwise we come across as being a little aloof, especially as a leader. And if we're watching others be this distracted, they definitely come off as aloof. Distracted leaders, though, often ignore their employees. If um, an employee is talking um, to them, sharing an idea, and they don't acknowledge it, they're not truly present in the moment, um, just know if you're a leader and you're the one that's distracted, ask them, hey, can you jot that down and text it to me or throw it in an email? I would really like to hear your ideas, but right now I'm focusing on this meeting or I'm focusing on this deadline, but I want to hear what you have to say. Or can you come back to me and schedule a, a meeting where I can give this my my undivided attention? So make sure we're doing that um, with our employees. Don't seem like you're disconnected with your team. Um, don't lose sight of their contributions and their creativity where you, they feel like they just have a lack of purpose. They're not um, hitting the target because you're being aloof. Within that um, being distracted, 
we need to figure out, and maybe it's brainstorming with your team to go, how can we be more focused? Maybe we, we have to come up with rules, not having them be your rules, but the team. And how how often are we looking at our cell phones? How often are we um, being distracted because of you're on Skype every five seconds? I was just uh, with a team that they said Skype is their biggest distraction because Instead of emailing, they do FaceTime on Skype where they'll talk to somebody because they want to have the emotions. They want to see the facial expressions. They want to hear the tone in the voice. They want to know the body language when they're communicating. But with that, they end up chatting a little bit longer than they than they should or they're not getting up and walking you know, down the hall to talk to somebody. They're just getting on Skype. So be aware, and once again, that self-check, what is happening in your organization, in your ministry, on your team that is creating the distraction? Well, that is it for our show today. I just want to talk a little bit again on just a review of what we talked about today. Our first one in Uh, making sure that our team members are engaging is being aware of overgeneralization. Don't overgeneralize. That creates apathy. Uh, Be consistent. Make sure that we're consistent with our expectations, that we're clarifying those expectations. Be aware of your favoritism. It shuts people down. It wounds people. So be aware. Where am I showing up that the perception is I don't care about other people? And the third one is micromanagement, or maybe that's our fourth one. Are you micromanaging? Be aware of that. And the last one is distractedness. Where are you being distracted and where can you brainstorm and help your team um, be focused where we can all be rowing in the same direction because we are laser focused. With that, I thank you guys for your time and I'm hoping that this will help you as you're going through guiding your team and truly hitting it out of the park. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.